Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Okay, so now we are in the final message of the Be Like Jesus series. And I really hope that you will continue to meditate and operate. Everyone say meditate and operate. That you would meditate and operate under the influence of these kingdom pathways to deep happiness and blessing. Today's the last one that we're going to be looking at. And remember, the purpose of these pathways is to make us spiritually stronger, mentally, emotionally stronger and healthier. Really walking in the joy and the blessing that Jesus uh, brings to us. And one of the key factors here is that remember that oftentimes God's way is opposite. These are kingdom opposites from our current, in in some cases, our own current impulses, our own current desire. Sometimes we want to respond to something a certain way and Jesus is saying there's a better way. But it's actually opposite. So we need to pursue these kingdom opposites. We just, just very briefly, when you feel like, man, I'm so empty, I'm so lacking, and instead of getting discouraged, you say, Lord, you said uh, uh, those who are lacking, those who are hungry, those who are empty, but, but turn to you, Lord. Then, Lord, we cross over and experience kingdom resources. Happy are the lacking. Be glad when you feel empty because that's when God can fill you. Somebody say amen. We know that sometimes it's good to be sad before God. Happy are the sad. Happy are when we're sad before God because sometimes we need to be sad so that we can get things right and so that we could settle things with God and actually receive his comfort. But it's opposite. It's not the same way. The Bible says happy are the merciful. Happy are the merciful. Meaning like you could go into work tomorrow and somebody could say, why are you in such a good mood? He said, well, I spent like 15 minutes praying for one of my enemies. And I feel really great now. <laughs> Come on, how many know that's opposite? But you will step into the blessing of God, amen? But it's different. And so, you know, yesterday I was uh, listening to a chess, a chess game, uh, a podcast that my son sent me. And one of the things I'll be doing on sabbatical, woo-hoo, but let's keep going here. And, uh, and the podcast is about a guy who actually coaches grandmasters. So there's people who play, and then there are grandmasters, the top, top. There are not many, but there are grandmasters of chess. And this guy actually coaches grandmasters, and he said something to that I was like, wow. Here's what he said. He said, the difference between amateurs and lower-level professionals is the clarity of the inner monologue of grandmasters, okay? He said grandmasters have such a clarity in their inner monologue when they're facing an opponent. So when they're facing an opponent, they're not panicking. They're not stressing out. They're not getting overwhelmed. They have this internal conversation 
that is so clear, so precise, and they're very deliberate about the way they make their moves. Can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? These eight pathways are supposed to impact your and my inner monologue. So that when things are coming at us, we're not panicking, we're not flipping out, we're not getting overwhelmed. We have this internal dialogue. It's us and the Holy Spirit. And we're not being affected by the circumstances. We're not being affected by the things of this world. We have this powerful inner conversation taking place that says, I'm not going to give in to that impulse. That's not the right move. I know what the right move is. The right move is to pray for my enemy. The right move is to respond this way or that way. And when you get that inner monologue, then let me tell you something. You will be blessed you will be happy, you will be strong, you will be unshakable. God wants to make his children un. Anybody want to be unshakable today in this house? Come on, put your hands together and say, God, make me unshakable, oh God. Well, you could tell a lot about what your inner monologue is like. Just you and the Holy Spirit. What are your thoughts? What, what's running through your mind? What are the voices that you are hearing these pathways are supposed to help us, even though they're opposite. So today, we actually are going to be reading like three verses, because Jesus takes three verses to unpack this particular beatitude. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 10. And we're going to begin uh, <clears throat> with the Good News translation, which once again starts with the word, everyone... Happy. The whole series, look at me for a moment. This whole series, Jesus wants to teach us how to be, everyone, happy. Like literally happy. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to feel favored by him. But watch this. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Then he unpacks it. He says, happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and tell all kinds of evil lies against you because you are my followers. Be happy and glad for great is your reward. For a great reward is kept for you in heaven this is how the prophets who lived before you were persecuted. This is a special type of happiness. You want to talk about a kingdom opposite? Let's go in the NIV. Now it says blessed because happy and blessed are the same word. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. Everybody say, that's me. Online, say, that's me. This is talking about you. This is talking about me. It says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Look at what Jesus says. Rejoice. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, 
they persecuted the prophets. Uh, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now this is, this is quite different, isn't it? But here's what Jesus is saying. Happy are the troubled. Happy are the troubled. I thank you for getting one amen. I knew this one was going to really stick. What Jesus is saying, please listen to me. What Jesus is saying, there's a certain type of trouble. That when you experience this kind of trouble on earth, begin to rejoice. Begin to praise God. Begin to celebrate. Because great is your reward. But it's a certain type of trouble. It's a trouble that is caused when we really testify for Christ. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. And sooner or later, if you're really serving Jesus, you will experience this kind of trouble. But Jesus is saying, look, rejoice because great is your reward. Like I, I was trying to think of an example of somebody rejoicing. And, you know, one of my buddies, I played baseball with him. And then he coached in the minors. It was, I don't know if it was the the Florida Marlins, or the Detroit Tigers. But, um, and I could relate to this because in my neighborhood, in my family, lotto was a big deal. People love, my dad loved to play the lotto. Okay. Let, let, trust Jesus to provide for you. You don't have to play any lotto. But the different sermon, let's stick with this, okay. So, um, so anyway, he told me a story about how all the coaches used to play lotto together. And one day, the coaches, um, they played a trick on him. So they took, they found out the, the numbers the day before, and then they bought a new lotto ticket with the numbers, the winning ticket numbers. And then what they would do is the guy would come with the stack and he would pass it out to all the coaches and all the guys would be in the locker room. This is like rookie ball or A ball and, you know, them just shooting the breeze. And then they would call out the numbers. And so my friend Benny, who is like so, he's like wound up like a top to begin with. So anyway, they, they, uh, they called out the numbers and they called out the numbers. And when he saw he had all the numbers, I don't know if it's six or seven, whatever it was, he went berserk, jumped on the tables, took off his jersey, threw it. He quit. He was turning stuff over. I mean, he went, he went berserk. And they said, sorry, bro, that was just a joke. That's, that's cold right there. He said to me, at least I lived like a, like a millionaire for like, for like two minutes. But Jesus is saying, when you get this kind of trouble, it's better than the lotto. It's better than any reward, anything that you could win or earn in this life. Rejoice because there is such a great reward for you. And if you would just open up your eyes of faith, you will understand that there are blessings available to you. There are blessings that will be coming to you that nothing in this world, nothing can compare to. How many believe that what Jesus has for us is so much better? It's so much better. Hallelujah. And this particular beatitude is very, very huge when it comes to switching your perspective on this. This is a, this one is, is kind of 
crucial because it activates all of these kingdom realities. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we testify, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We cross over into something special and powerful. And so what I want to do is I want to pray that God would give us deep faith and a deep hunger not to be persecuted, but to testify. Not to be persecuted, but to testify. And to get the grace and the courage to testify no matter what. Because when we testify, rejoice. Because great is your reward. So come on, let's, let's join our hearts together. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we worship you, we thank you, we give you glory and honor and praise. And Lord, this world offers rewards. And there's so nothing compared to what you offer. And God, we want to live for the things that really matter and the things that count. And God, we want our lives, oh God, to bring you glory and honor, Lord Jesus. So God, fill us with faith today. God, fill our hearts, oh God, with conviction and with courage and with a love for you, a burning passion for you, Lord Jesus, that says I have to testify. Bless this word, bless our time, and bless our witness. In 2021, bless our witness for your glory and your honor in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's look at what it means to be persecuted. What does persecution actually mean? To be persecuted means to be pursued by God's enemies, to be unjustly rejected or slandered for your faith. The way it breaks down is that sometimes we get insulted. It means that we're criticized harshly because we are followers of Jesus. In some cases we are rejected. There's a rejection that comes sometimes. It means to be chased out of the group or circle. Many of us experience this when we first, like we were part of the crew and then we get saved and then all of, your, all of a sudden your family is making fun of you and your family is mocking you and you walk into the room and people stop talking because they go, oh no, look who's here and on and on. There are all of these different levels of this. But there's a, there's a, a, a place where Christians get literally chased out of groups. They get chased out. Chased out in college, in high school. In, in junior high, I'll give you an example of that in a moment. It means slander. It means lies or misrepresentation of one's character. This started uh, uh, way back in the New Testament, 30 years after Jesus died. Nero, who was in power, set Rome on fire. And what he did is he wanted to rebuild the city and he wanted to have the... the uh, um, the credit of rebuilding the city. 
And so he burned the city down, but everyone was felt sketchy about the Christians from Jump Street because they were not idolaters. They were, they were not child molesters. They were not all of the things that were so common to the Roman world. And they said, no, we refuse to do that. And so, so they were so rejected and put down that he ended up blaming the Christians for burning down Rome. This is now a historical fact. And what that did is that initiated the persecution of the church and it went on for 300 years. They would, they would throw them to lions. They, were, they would beat them. They were beheaded. They were burned alive and on and on and on it would go. But it was primarily because of their testimony. Persecution is about our testifying for Jesus. We're called to testify. We're called to tell people who we love and who we live for. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. We're called to testify. The funny thing is nowadays lots of people avoid being tagged as a Christian. And if you're one of those people that, that is, is shy about your faith and you avoid it, you are avoiding a great blessing. Stand up and be counted as someone that belongs to Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. There are different levels of persecution. There's a young man in our church, he's 13 years old, and his classmates call him church boy. You know what he says? He says, good, I'm glad you call me church boy because I want to be known as a church boy. Come on, somebody say amen. That kid is destined for the favor of God. He's destined for the breakthrough, for the blessing, for the glory of God. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. And look, that might be mild in comparison to what's going on, but persecution is real. You know, I have in, here in my notes that there was a, a religious council in 30, 325 A.D. Okay, and in describing this council... There were 318 delegates, but out of the 318 delegates, less than a dozen of them had not lost an eye, a hand, or did not limp, or had some kind of burning from torture for their faith in Christ. Persecution is real. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, we need perspective. Everybody say perspective. When you get the right kingdom perspective, it has a dramatic impact on your inner dialogue. You see? And so um, I want to play a, a two-minute video about what's happening in terms of, of persecution in the church in the world right now. Can we play that? The desert. A never-ending wilderness barren and desolate. But even here, if you look closely, there's life to be found. These are yucca brevifolia, better known as a Joshua tree. This single tree could be hundreds, even thousands of years old. And that's because what you see is only part of the story. Underground, there's a massive network of roots going down to water 
pulling that water out of the ground and storing it in the tree, keeping the tree alive, resilient to the desert wasteland. In the world today, one in eight Christians are discriminated against, oppressed, even attacked, just because they follow Jesus. They are desperate voices crying out in a dry land. When I became a Christian, my beliefs turned against me. I no longer belong. In China, the government installed facial recognition cameras in our sanctuary. That camera can gather the private data of our church members. They will intimidate them, they will prevent them from going to church. That means We know from this year's World Watch List that 340 million Christians live in places around the world where they are discriminated against or persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. That number is hard to imagine, hard to get your mind around, but we know that God is faithful. In the book of Isaiah, God tells his people, I will make new ways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In midst of persecution, churches are growing more. Through the persecution, God is making the church grow. We are so united together like never before. We have a revival in our church, even in the severe persecution. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Persecution is real. Persecution is happening right now. All over the world, there are Christians. There's a great revival going on in Iran, and it's primarily being led by women. It's a whole underground movement. And these ladies are putting their lives on the line because if they find out what these ladies are doing, they will be brutalized and killed. And so it's real, but how many know great is their reward? How many know great is their reward? Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to lift your hands with me right now. Could you lift your voice? Let's pray for a minute for the persecuted church. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, God, we call upon your name. Come on, lift your voice with me. God, we call upon your name and we pray for believers around the world, oh God, who are standing strong, Lord, and who are experiencing persecution. We pray for grace. We pray for grace. We pray for deliverance. We pray, oh God, for miracles. We pray, oh God, for mercy. But God, most of all, we pray that your name will be glorified, Lord Jesus. And God, we thank you for great is their reward. Build their faith, build their hearts, deliver their families by your mighty power, oh God. We call upon your name today, Lord Jesus. We lift up the persecuted church. Deliver people from jail today, oh God. Deliver them, oh God, from torture in the name of Jesus. Deliver them from every evil by your mighty power. But help them, Lord, to stand strong. Help them to stand strong in giving you glory. 
and help us to follow their example. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Persecution is real. And persecution is in part a blessing. It's a blessing because there we're not living for this world. See, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you the, the perspective issue is so powerful. Because when you really feel like I'm not living for this world, I'm not living just for what's going on tomorrow. I'm living for the day that I'm going to be with Jesus. We're going to walk on streets of gold one day. It will be joy unspeakable and full of glory. No crippled people, no wheelchairs, no cancer. Hallelujah. No sin, no darkness, no shadiness. Hallelujah. It's going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Anybody looking forward to that day? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it's all about our testimony for him. Now I need to say something to you. You have to beware of assigning your cause to God's cause. This is a very delicate issue in our day. This is a very delicate issue in our time. But I have a responsibility as your pastor to talk to you about this. This is one of those things that it might be better to just avoid and go on sabbatical. <laughs> but no, be careful. I'm not going to tell you what God's cause is. You have to pray it out. You have to find out. But sometimes we feel like we're being persecuted for a cause that's not necessarily God's cause. It's okay to feel firm convictions about something, but beware that you're not turning something into a God cause that isn't a God cause. I've seen over the years people experience great trouble in their life because they made something a God cause. Okay, and then they find themselves undersupported by the grace of God. And so the grace of God doesn't back everything that you and I feel strongly about. Okay. And sometimes we could feel strong about something that is really wrong. But the way we handle it has to be under the framework of the kingdom of God. You see, there's a God way. There's a God response. There are perspectives that God wants to give us. There's a different way to look at something. I remember being in Bible school. And uh, when I first was trying to study the, the, the whole art and science of preaching. And I remember hearing a preacher and saying, I just read that. I just read that, and I didn't see that. And I was like, you know, Lord, what I'm learning from this is that we got to pray and we got to get close to you because there is a God angle. And so when we go to make decisions, we try to get the God angle. What is your angle on this, God? 
I personally feel like this past year, a lot of pastors have been kind of been mistreated unfairly. You know, pastors are resigning by the busload. I'm good. <laughs> Chrissy and I are good. We love you and we're happy to be here. Hallelujah. But a lot of pastors, people have wanted pastors to do and say things that they couldn't necessarily feel like that's the God angle. And we have to be care that we don't impose what our cause is on someone else. Make sure it's a God angle. By the way, there's this thing called confirmation bias um, that I think is really kind of, you need to think about how you listen to things. Because if you listen the wrong way, you won't be happy and blessed. See? Confirmation bias means that it means to listen, uh, to listen, to interpret information with a mind that seeks to reshape what is heard in order to confirm what one believes. So you can listen to something and you can turn that thing to mean exactly what you think it should mean. But that's not what it means. That's not what they're saying. But we can turn things because we feel so strong about it. Can I give you a piece of advice? There's a blessing to listening with humility. There's a blessing to saying, you know what, I seriously don't agree with that. But I'll listen. I'll listen. I'll try to find something that I could acknowledge so I don't come across dismissive or condescending. Because the truth of the matter is the end goal of every moment that you and I have is that we would testify for Jesus. Somebody say amen. We want to testify for Jesus. And if we engage at a certain level with people, sometimes when the argument and the battle is over, they don't want to hear about Jesus from you. They don't want to hear about Jesus from you. And so, man, such a happy, fun sermon to preach about right before you go away. But it's true, brothers and sisters, this is a very, very important thing. Find the God cause. Find God's angle on something. And look, uh, over the years, I thought I had God's angle and I was wrong. And the minute he shows you you're wrong, change your angle. <laughs> Trust me, you will be a lot happier. Somebody say amen. Right. That's okay. It's okay. Help them, Lord. I love when you clap like that, you know. I know you're trying. But it takes humility, but let me tell you something, humility leads to happiness. It's like, God, how do you want me to feel about this? How do you want me to think about this? How do you want me to respond to this? Okay, I know how I want to respond to it. I know how I, want, I, know how I feel about it. But see, a lot of times, because we don't have the inner monologue that says, I want it to be what you want. I want to be like Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. We miss out in joy and blessing and victory. And so pay attention. Now here's, 
here's some, some like very encouraging application points to this. Number one, you can know that you can know that you can know that God's grace will always match our level of persecution. See, a lot of times we get afraid of persecution. But let me tell you something. When you get there, what you need will be there. God's grace will always match our level of persecution. It's spiritual. It's mystical. We don't necessarily get it, but it is powerful. They asked D.L. Moody once about this issue. And I love what he says on this. He says, he says, I have sometimes been asked if I had uh, grace enough to enable me to go to the stake and die as a martyr. No. What I do want, what do I want with martyr's grace? He says, I do not like suffering. But if God should call, upon, call on me to die a martyr's death, he would give me martyr's grace. If I have to pass through some great affliction, I know God will give me grace when the time comes, but I do not want it till it comes. That's common sense. You know what that means? Don't look for persecution. Do yourself a favor. Don't look for persecution. If it comes, it comes. You know, but some people, they're, they're trying to make themselves a martyr. That is unwise. Testify for Christ, bring him glory and honor, but just know grace shows up when we testify for Christ. Grace shows up. Look at what, the, what um, uh, 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 Acts 4.20, they were blaming the Christians, they were blaming Peter and John, they were telling them to be quiet and they said, as for us, we cannot help spreading, uh, speaking about what we have seen and heard. I can't even help it, I got to say it. You understand? There's a grace. This is why you get up in the morning, you read your Bible, you spend time with the Lord, you worship him. You know, you worship him. You give him glory and honor and praise because there's grace being, you're being filled with the grace of God. And then you step into a situation and somebody says something, it's funny you say that. I just read about that in the Bible today. Bam! You got, anybody ever had that happen? You just read it? I just read that. You know, because the Holy Spirit gives us grace to respond to all of the things that are going on. I love Philemon 1.6. Look at what Philemon 1.6 says. They could send a musician out. He says, I pray that your partner, partnership with us in the faith. One translation says, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith. This is what they mean by that. May be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. In other words, something activates. Something, something uh, turns on, the minute you start testifying, it activates your kingdom awareness. It transforms your value system. I, I remember being a young believer and telling someone about Jesus and then walking away and going, wow, everything I said, that stuff is true. Jesus is real, hallelujah. You ever, you ever tell someone about Jesus and you're actually preaching to yourself, it has like this kickback. And you're like, oh, snap, that's good. 
even though it came out of me. That's really good. Come on, hallelujah. It activates the kingdom of God. That's a blessing that comes when you testify. That's a blessing that comes when, when you testify. It just activates that thing. It, 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 and then all of a sudden you're happy. And you're, you're happy. But here's what I mean by value system. You're happy but for other reasons. You wake up desiring A, but you testify and now you're happy for other reasons. You're happy for kingdom reasons. Kingdom happiness will always overpower by a whole lot any kind of worldly happiness. And it will, it will, over, it will supersede our worldly sorrows. You could be like, man, this is happening, that's happening. But I testified and my heart got full of joy. That's the way this thing works. A little bit more on this. So it just so happens that um, my daughter Annie and one of the other staff members, Alana, um, they did a Zoom call this week to, uh, with 70 worship leaders from China. And they were talking about worship and they did a, a teaching. And at a certain point they started asking questions. And here's what one of them said before they asked the question, what should we do? They said, in many places in China, gatherings are not so free. And the musical instruments that can be used are limited. The worship leader may have to devote energy to considering not disturbing the people and soundproofing. Okay? So they have to worship because of the level of persecution. They can't lift their, their, uh, they can't lift their hands. They can't sing. They can't um, play. Whatever happened, what happened? You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, there's like, they don't have the blessings that we have. And then he said, God will give you grace. And God will give you wisdom. And she said, you know what? The presence of God is going to visit you whatever you do to worship him. How many want to say amen? Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Can I encourage you? I, I remember um, when I first got saved, the, the guy who discipled me, his name was Jimmy. So he was a 28-year-old um, New York City police officer who happened to be a virgin. And um, so he was such a man of God, is such a man of God. And of all the people that God could have put me with, Jimmy is the guy who really discipled me, taught me so much about prayer, introduced me to spiritual books, like Jimmy was unbelievable. Simple, kind of straightforward, you know, like nuts and bolts kind of guy. And so um, sometimes he worked in central booking and um, there were a bunch, obviously imagine all of those police officers and they would mock him endlessly. They would just make fun of him. The women 
were so horrible. They would walk by, like at roll call, before roll call they would walk by, and everybody knew it was a virgin, so they would like rub themselves and go, Jimmy, and everybody would start laughing. And um, they would just, it was like an endless mocking of Jimmy. But Jimmy, I'm telling you, always stood his faith. Always people would say things. Jimmy knew the Bible. It was like unbelievable the grasp that this guy had on the word of God. And here's the interesting thing. So he's actually retired from the police department. But every two or three months, he would tell me a story. For example, once they, they, um, they either captured in New York or, or it came through a, a, a very famous, I can't remember though, a, a, a famous criminal, someone who did horrible things like a, like a mass murderer type person. They arrested him and they put him in the cell and this guy was so full of evil and darkness that all of the cops, here everybody's packing guns, they were all terrified. And Jimmy said to the guy, hey, can I go in and talk to him? He sat right in the thing and he shared the gospel with him. And everybody knew that Jimmy went in there and told that guy, Jesus loves you and Jesus will wash away all of your sin. And if you give your life to Christ, you will be in paradise with him. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah, blessed be the name of the Lord. And listen. Every time, every time one of those officers had a serious life problem, they would pull Jimmy aside and say, hey, Jimmy, would you pray for me? He would, get, he would get phone calls. Hey, Jim, could you come to the hospital? Would you pray for me? Hey, Jim, I need a recommendation for this thing. Would you write a recommendation uh, uh, for me over and over and over again? When push came to shove, how many know, they knew the guy that they could trust. They knew the guy who stands for Christ. You want to be that guy. You want to be that girl. No matter, let them make fun of you. Let them mock you. Hallelujah. But let Jesus get the glory. Let Jesus get all the glory from our lives. How many would say amen? Let Jesus get the glory. He will help you. He will he will help you. You know, I want to encourage you. Don't be an undercover Christian. You're just forfeiting the happiness that comes from sharing Jesus. Somebody say amen. I got one more quick application point and we'll close. But, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day. Sometimes we tend to get so intimidated by degrees and all of this kind of stuff. But just know in your heart, Jesus is right. Okay? The word of God is true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God, it stands forever. Nothing is greater than the word of God. Every word he says is true. Come on. Come on. Believe it. I want to encourage you to believe it. So over the years, we, we talk to people, someone with a big degree says, oh, you believe that? And I'm like, no, you believe that? You really believe that? All that education and that's what you believe? Are you kidding me? 
What do you do with the person of Jesus? Always bring it back to Jesus. What do you do with the person of Jesus? Put, a, put Jesus front and center and say, hey, you really want to be little Jesus? What are you going to do? There's something called the Pascalian Gambit. Pascal was a, a philosopher and he was in one of these debates and here's what he said. He said, look, let's say for a second that I'm wrong. I'm not wrong, but let's say I am. He said, let's say that I'm wrong, that I live a good life, I try to honor God, I try to live for God, I try to be faithful to my wife and my kids and all of the above. And then I die and like you say, I just go into nothingness. Okay, well, all I did was live a good life. But let's say that you're wrong. You want, the, you, you want this gamble? If you're wrong, then you will face eternal, eternal damnation and torment. You will face judgment without the gift of the Savior. That is way too big of a gamble. You should take Jesus. Take Jesus with you. Take Jesus into your heart. Hallelujah. Testify for Christ. Testify. There's a blessing, there's a joy that will come. And then here's the last thing. God's reward will supersede our struggle. This is what we need to know. So I want to leave you with two verses and then we're going to close. Look at what the Bible says in Matthew. For those who struggle of losing career. For those who struggle with losing some family members, for those who struggle with losing uh, uh, stuff, money, whatever it might be. Here's what Jesus said. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold in this life and inherit eternal life. How many know he will not let you down? You will receive a hundredfold of the reward. You cannot outgive God. A hundredfold, the Bible says. Here's another one. Look at what the Bible says here. It says, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparisons. Because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. When we look and live for the things that are unseen, everything inside of us shifts. Everything shifts. The inner monologue changes. The things that you think would make you happy, all of a sudden you don't even need them. Because you're being blessed and supplied by a special kind of grace. Jesus wants to give you that grace. Jesus, how many believe he wants to fill us with his grace? He wants to give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. All of those things are released when we testify. So I want to pray right now. Come on, stand to your feet. I want to pray for boldness. Everybody look at me. Look, stay. Everybody focus on me for a second. I want to pray for boldness. I want to pray for courage. I want to pray for faith. And I want to pray for openness. Everybody say openness. The openness that says, I'm really going to try God's way. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow myself to feel differently about something if Jesus told me to feel this way about it. Give it a try. Stop being stuck in the same thing that keeps you unhappy and unblessed. Is that a word, unblessed? It doesn't matter. You get it. Hallelujah. So come on. With hands raised, let's pray, Lord, help us to testify. God, give us a testimony, Lord Jesus. Help us to speak for you, to live for you, to respond for you. God, I pray for people online. God, give us a testimony, Lord. Help us, baptize us with the grace that we need to testify. Help us to be bold. Help us to be courageous, oh God. Help us to stand up and talk, oh God, and live for Jesus, Lord God. Deliver us from fear of being rejected. That rejection is a blessing. That re Rejection brings a reward, oh God. God, do in us, Lord God, whatever is needed, Lord, so that we can live for the things unseen, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus.